the Buddha said that concentration is the heart of the path. Uh, when we're developing our concentration through breath meditation practice, we're on the path. Uh, one of the ways that uh, the Thai Ajans, the Thai teachers, uh, like to describe the breath meditation practice is by, uh, by saying that we're in practicing with breath meditation, we're building a good home for the mind. We're building a home for the mind. So, uh, you know, this is, you know, kind of what we're doing. We're building a good, strong home for the mind in the meditation. A home that we'll really be able to reside in. Uh, it's really kind of a simple concept, but one that uh, I don't know that I understood so well when I first heard it sounded great. It always sounded great when I would hear that Ajahn Lee or uh, one of the great Thai masters would use that term, a home for the mind. I always loved that, but I, I wasn't really quite sure what that meant. And again, it's really quite simple. Uh, what we mean by having a home for the mind is a place to put the mind, a place to put the mind, just like our physical home, our our flat, if you're in Berlin or wherever we are, is a place to put the body. Uh, uh, the breath becomes a, a place to put the mind and to keep the mind. Uh, we're kind of building that home in the meditation. And of course, in the meditation, it's, it's a home and it's a place to keep the mind. But, you know, really, in, you know, in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it's a place where we can put the mind and keep the mind in all postures, in all of our activities. So it's not just a place to put the mind in uh, the meditation. You know, we're really kind of building a good, strong home for the mind so that when we go out there into the world, when we're in our lives, uh, you know, we have a, a place to put the mind and keep the mind. It needs to be a strong home for the mind because it's harder to keep the mind uh, on the breath and in the body and in the present moment once we go out there into the world. So we're really kind of making this effort to develop strong concentration, to develop strong concentration. Uh, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, as many people who were, you know, practicing with meditation practice, you know, 20, 30 years ago when primarily it was taught as a retreat practice, you know, we would go on retreats or you'd do your meditation, you know, and you could kind of keep your mind on the breath. But once you got out there into the world and went back to your life, it was very hard to stay in the present moment and we would lose the breath. And of course, what we came to understand was that we need to really work in our sitting meditation to develop a good, strong home for the mind so that that home is available to us when, once we go out there into the world. So it's one of the real important reasons why uh, we really make a good effort in that sitting every day to develop strong concentration because we need a mind, uh, a home for the mind that's going to be strong enough, that's going to hold up once we go out there into the world. So uh, this is a place to put the mind, to keep the mind. Uh, and when we're able to kind of keep the mind on the breath, we're able to have some separation, some separation from the world doesn't mean we're repressing the world or ignoring the world or escaping the world, uh, but we have some separation. We're not enmeshed with the world. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we, when we talk about the world, 
the world is an interesting concept when the Buddha uses that term. When he, you know, and even in the breath meditation instructions, I, we talked about this a little bit last week, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Uh, you know, he's talking about being able to have some separation from the exigencies of the world, the circumstances of the world, uh, whatever is going on in the world or in our lives, you know, our jobs and our relationships, etc. We have a little bit of space and separation or, you know, all these things that are happening in the world that are so painful, we have a little bit of space and separation from them. But when he's talking about the world, he also means the world of our experience in terms of our sense experience. Really, the world is made up of our sense experience. So we have a little bit of space or separation from sounds and sights, and most importantly, from physical sensations. We talked about this last week, and some space from uh, mental experience, emotions, and thoughts. So, you know, this is kind of really important, you know, to be able to have some separation from the various qualities of the mind to be able to separate out from uh, and have some space from the emotions and the thinking and the stories, the thought worlds. You know, the Buddha said, we spend most of our time in thought worlds, in thought worlds. The Pali word is bhava, B-H-A-V-A. Tanisaru Bhikkhu translates it as becoming. The Buddha said, that which is becomes something else. The present moment becomes something else. We don't live in the present moment, in our present moment experience. We live in these thought worlds. Uh, it's where the mind typically dwells. The Buddha saw this and he said, you know, you know, he, he looked and he saw, you know, people just dwell in these thought worlds and it's very painful. He said, and yet we delight in these thought worlds, right? You know, there's a certain attraction uh, that we find in these thought worlds, or there's an allure uh, that uh, these thought worlds hold for us even though they're painful. So uh, what we learn to do uh, by having a good home for the mind is a place to put the mind but have some separation from these thought worlds, our thinking, the emotions, the physical experience of the body, the circumstances of the world, if it's what's in the news or you know, the circumstances of our lives in terms of our jobs and our relationships and so forth. There's some space. There's some space. So when we're developing this breath meditation practice, uh, you know, we're developing these qualities of jhana, of concentration, the ability to keep the mind on the meditation object, the ability to keep the mind on the breath and in the body, a quality of ease in the body and pleasure, which allows the mind to begin to want to incline into the present moment and into the body. Uh, and to the breath. And then the fourth quality of jhana is equanimity, which, uh, you know, we could think about that, you know, these are the qualities that we're developing. We could think about equanimity as strength of mind. You know, the more that we're able to stay with the breath and stay with the breath, we develop, you know, this real ability. It's like repetitions. We're developing this quality of strength of mind, uh, like a strong home for the mind. And what that means is when we, as we develop equanimity or this inner strength, is we're able to keep the mind on the breath no matter what, you know, in all circumstances. We're able to keep the mind on the breath. Uh, we're able to keep the mind on the breath and have some space to some extent, uh, even when our experience is very difficult or, and disagreeable. So 
you know, if the experience of the world is disagreeable, if we have equanimity, if we have this quality of inner strength. And the only way you really develop equanimity is doing those repetitions in the meditation. The more you meditate, the stronger your home for the mind is going to get. You're going to have a really strong home that'll really hold up when your experience is very difficult, when if the experience of the world is difficult. So if it's the you know, the experience of our jobs and our relationships or the pandemic and the circumstances in the world and the politics or whatever, we're able to have some space and stay with the breath. If it's the experience of the body and our senses is disagreeable and difficult, we're able to stay in the breath and, and to some extent put those experiences to the side. So we talked about this last week, you know, if there's physical pain in the body, in the meditation, we want to learn to be able to put it to the side. You know, we're developing that ability to put things to the side and have some separation. It's such an important uh, uh, skill and quality to be able to develop. And it's the same thing, you know, and this question, of course, came up last week. It's the same thing with um, mental pain. You know, we talked last week about physical pain, you know, mental pain, uh, emotional pain. Uh, we're able to have to keep the mind and the breath when we experience mental and emotional pain. We're able to keep the mind and the breath and have some separation uh, from that experience of mental or emotional pain. There's some space. There's some space if we have equanimity. And of course, if we're, you know, if we're utilizing our equanimity, you know, we could have it, you know. Uh, I, I, and one of the things I think it's interesting is like people underestimate their equanimity. You know, you know people have general people. I, what I what I find is that people tend to underestimate their concentration. You know, and their ability so uh, to stay. You know, with the breath. So you know, we have the ability. You know, depending on how much we practice and how strong our home for the mind is, to get some separation. You know, when we're in emotional pain. You know, again, it's not repressing it. You know, it's putting ourselves in a position so that we can have a skillful relationship to our emotional pain and so that we're not overwhelmed by it and so that we're still functional and can meet it and can understand it and that we can also go about our days and our lives and, you know, in an effective way. So, you know, so, you know, we tend to underestimate, you know, our, our equanimity and our capacity to stay with the breath, but we also just don't use it, you know. We just don't use that, you know, it's kind of like we've built this good home for the mind, you know, but we choose to kind of live out on the street, you know. Uh, so, you know, what we're learning to do, and you know, what, the, what we're encouraging uh, uh, ourselves to do is to, uh, is to keep able to, is, is, is to not only develop this strong home for the mind, but use it. So that when we are in emotional pain and when emotions are strong, we can keep them, we can put the mind on the breath. We can put the mind on the breath as we go through our days. We can put the mind on the breath and there can be some separation and be some space. You know, when we get caught in thought worlds, thoughts about the world, thoughts about our lives, thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about our experience, uh, we can put the mind on the breath and have some separation and have some space. You know. So, you know, in breath meditation, you know, we're developing this ability to have some space. And of course, again, we have to utilize our skills and our ability. This is so important to be able to have space and to be able to separate. Uh, you know, when, when, when there's a lot of difficulty, uh, 
you know, primarily what I'm trying to do is to get some space, you know. I mean, that's kind of my main objective is to, is to get some space, you know. Uh, you know, what we tend to do is either try to run away from the difficulty or try to fix it and change it, you know, and try to, you know, to figure a way out of it or whatever, you know. Uh, but really, you know, kind of what we're asked to do first and maybe foremost, and particularly when there is difficulty and emotional pain, uh, you know, just to get some space, just to get some space. So when there's difficulty, when there's mental pain, and I'm using the word mental pain, you know, it's dukkha, suffering, right? Uh, emotional pain, uh, you know, what we learn to do is go to the breath, you know, go to the breath to put the mind in a good home. It's like if, you know, if there's, you're, you know, you're in a tornado or a, a hurricane or a bad weather or if it's raining torrentially, you know, you, you get inside your, your house, you know, and that's what kind of what we're learning to do here. Uh, uh, so when there's difficulty, mental pain, we go to the breath, we put the mind in a good home. You know, so you're going through your day. There probably be opportunities today for this. You know, there probably be many opportunities. Sometimes mental or emotional pain or physical pain is, is strong. Sometimes it's more blatant. Sometimes it's more subtle. These days, a lot of us are going through a lot of difficulty with different emotions and, you know, related to the pandemic and the politics and the way life is, you know, and, you know, we're all dealing with the vicissitudes of sickness, aging and death and uh, the difficulties of making our way in the world. So, uh, you know, this capacity to be able to put the mind in a good place and to get some space is critical. So as we go through the day and, and, and we, 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 we meet our difficulty, uh, you know, we learn to go to the breath. You know, that's how you get on the path, you know. You know, concentration is the heart of the path. So, you know, you go to the breath, you know. You put the mind in a good home, you know, when there's difficulty. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that happens, of course, you know, you're going through difficulty or you're caught in a thought world or you're caught in an emotion, or you're struggling with some kind of an emotional pain uh, as you go through the day, uh, you put the mind on the breath, and you, know, you, you get a little bit of space, and the central nervous system starts to, to come into a state of regulation. You know, what happens is when we're caught in thought worlds, and when we're caught in these emotional states, our central nervous system is thrown out of whack. So you come to the breath, you know, even if you feel just a few breaths, you know, we're not talking about, you know, you're, you know, you know, you're, you're, you know, during the course of the day, in the middle of the day, you know, you're, you're feeling the breath for, you know, 20 minutes in a row, you know, it's like you're feeling a breath or two here or there as a way of getting some space and separation, right, as you go through your day. And as you come to the breath and are able to keep the mind there to some extent, the central nervous system begins to regulate. Now, if you've been practicing the breath meditation practice the way that we teach it in terms of developing an easeful breath and finding the most easeful way to breathe, then you really have this capacity to bring the central nervous system into a state of regulation. So uh, coming to the breath, the central nervous system starts to regulate. We start to get some space, right? We start to get some space. We create some space. You know, when you're caught in a thought world, you know, there's no space. You're enmeshed in that thought world. You know, your whole experience is that thought world. When you're caught in an emotion, your whole experience 
and you know, and, you, and your mind, you know, becomes just fixated on that emotion. So now we're getting some space. You know, we're getting a little bit of some space from what's there in the mind, in the mind. And now when we have some space, you know, then we're able to be connected to the heart. You know, then we're able to be connected to the heart. Just by creating space, we create a pathway to the heart. You know, but when we're caught in those thought worlds, you know, there's no, you know, we're blocked off from the heart. You know, so just bringing ourselves to the breath and creating some space, we begin to open up the pathway to the heart. So when we're talking about the heart, what are we talking about? You know, uh, we talk about this a lot, of course. You know, we use this word heart. Uh, uh, the Thais use the word chitta. You know, and I mean, this is a, you know, perhaps a little bit of a simplification, but when you think about the heart, uh, you know, and again, the Thais say, it's right here. You know, it's right here. It's in the body. You know, when you're in the thought worlds, you're so far away from here. When you're in the emotions, you're so far away from the body. You bring yourself into the breath. If you want to think about this just in terms of the geography of the body, you come to the breath in the body. I usually like when I'm out there in the world to come down here, you know, to come down here to the breath. Uh, because if I'm up here, you know, the senses, you know, and the, the thoughts and the hearing and the sight, so I come down here, you know, and, you know, there's some space from all that, those thought worlds, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm much closer to the heart. I'm much closer to the heart, and there's some space, and I can be connected to the heart. So the chitta is right here, and it includes your innate wisdom. You know, your wisdom is right here. You know, the, the, the wisdom that'll set you free. It's not here. It's down in here. You know, this is the teaching. It's down in here. So your wisdom is down in here, in the chitta, in the heart, and these qualities, these sublime abidings are down in here, the qualities of compassion, loving-kindness, appreciation. Uh, are down right here in the heart, but we're blocked off from the heart when we're in those thought worlds. So we create a little bit of space and we open up the channel to the heart. We open up the channel to the heart. So, uh, so if we can keep the mind on the breath to some extent uh, and keep the mind in the body by going to the breath, there's some space and wisdom occurs. Wisdom occurs and there's, there's wisdom. Uh, there's this capacity for wisdom, uh, you know, and wisdom, you know, is there, you know, wisdom is there, and we're, you know, opening up that connection to wisdom, so wisdom occurs, and, you know, if you can go to the breath and, uh, and create a little bit of space, you know, wisdom can occur, you don't have to do anything, you know, you don't have to do anything, you know. The wisdom is already in the heart. The wisdom is already in the heart. Our, our job isn't to acquire wisdom. You know, our job is to, is to learn how to be able to connect to the wisdom that's already in the heart, our innate wisdom. Now, that's what the teaching of the Buddha is about. That's why concentration is the heart of the path, you know, because it leads us to the heart. But the wisdom is already in the heart. We're just cut off from it. So if we just go to the breath and feel one or two breaths, uh, and get some space, we begin to open up the connection to the heart. Now, you know, when I say this, this may seem a little far-fetched, you know. If you feel a few breaths and you get a little bit of space, there's wisdom. Wisdom is occurring, or can occur, or will occur, and it is occurring. You know, there is wisdom, and you become connected to the wis your wisdom when you create some space. 
you know. Now, you may not be aware of that, you know. It may be indiscernible for you, to you. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. It doesn't mean that it's not happening, you know. It doesn't mean that you're not connecting to Dhamma. It doesn't mean that you're not connecting to your innate wisdom because you can't see it. I mean, this is a little bit of a, a you know, a, an analogy, but, you know, you know, all the time people always say, you know, there's people here who've been, you know, coming to these classes for 20 years, you know, and they'll say, yeah, you know, I, I heard you talk about this 20 years ago and I'm finally getting it right now. No, you're not finally getting it right now. You've been getting it all along. Just now you realize you've got it. That's all, you know. It's not like all of a sudden you got it, you know. You've been developing that wisdom over time and now it's, it's apparent to you. It's apparent to you. That's what's happening there. But for a long time, the wisdom that you were developing, you just couldn't discern that. And then all of a sudden, one day, you say, oh, I finally get it. No, you've been getting it all along. You've been getting it all along. You just haven't realized that you've got it. Now you realize, oh, I got it. Oh, I got it. So, you know, that's why we just keep teaching the same thing over again and over again, because the wisdom, you know, just gradually accumulates over time and then one day it's oh now I understand now you've been understanding all along so it may be indiscernible to you uh, and you know we may not in part for that reason may not have faith in this wisdom that's there when we have space and this is the wisdom that will heal us and set us free you know but we might have not have faith in that partly because it's hard for us to see. So because we don't have faith or conviction in it, we want to try to do something, you know? I mean, there's a little bit of conceit in that, you know? Uh, you know, it's like, I got to do something because, you know, this wisdom isn't working for me. Uh, so we want to do something. We're all like that, right? So, uh, you know, so I got to get rid of this pain or I got to fix it or I have to analyze it. You know, I have to try to understand the pain with my intellectual mind. Or I've got to use Buddhist strategies. What did the Buddha say? The Four Noble Truths. Can I use the Four Noble Truths here? Four Noble Truths are in your heart. They're truths. They're noble truths. The heart already understands the noble truths. You're just opening up a passageway so that that understanding can, can, can be developed for you so that you can put it to good use. You already understand the Four Noble Truths. Those aren't things the Buddha made up. Those are things he understood by being connected to his heart. You know, that there is suffering. You know, in the heart you know that there's suffering, right? You know, and that, and that your suffering is caused by what you're doing. You're clinging, and that there is an end of suffering. And that there is a path to the end of suffering. That's all right there in the heart. But, you know, we try to apply those strategies in an intellectual way, perhaps. You know, and there's some value in that, perhaps, as a way of mollifying the pain. But in large part, you know, all of those things that we're doing, you know, that are really functions of our trying to figure things out or our intellectual mind get in the way of the wisdom in the heart. You know, they're getting in the way of the wisdom that you already have. Like we get impatient, you know, or as Tanisaro Bhikkhu says, we're sort of desperate to get rid of our pain, so we try to fix it, you know, or try to do something, you know. So this is why patience is so important. This is why patience is so important because, because wisdom develops gradually over time. You know, the metaphor the Buddha uses, of course, 
you know, for that analogy that I gave before is, you know, and I talked about, you know, the wisdom that you finally develop, oh, oh, now I see it is, you know, wisdom is developing like the floor of the ocean. You know, it's a very gradual slope, gradual slope, and then there's the drop off when you hit the continental shelf, you know, and that's, kind of, oh, now I get what he says. No, you've been developing that wisdom all along, and then there's, so I got that. Right? So the path requires a lot of patience. You know, I can just go to the breath, create a little bit of space, and have faith in the wisdom that's in the heart. But if we don't have that faith and we don't let our wisdom uh, meet our experience, uh, you know, and then all those things that we do to try to get out of our pain kind of get in the way of our capacity to self-heal. You know, we can self-heal. You know, it's not a terminology that we typically use, you know. Sometimes you hear about the body will self-heal, right? The body will self-heal, right? You know, the mind will self-heal. The mind will self-heal. You know, our job is to sort of allow it to self-heal. You know, the path is about allowing the mind to self-heal. So if we simply keep the mind on the breath, you know, and there's some space, wisdom will occur. You know, wisdom into the Four Noble Truths will occur. Wisdom into what we're doing that's causing suffering and what we need to do to end suffering and the truth of the end of suffering, you know, will begin to connect to. Wisdom will occur. And this is why we often say, uh, do concentration. You know, we do concentration. Insight will happen. Insight will happen. We do concentration and insight will happen. You know, the concentration allows the mind to self-heal. So if we establish this space, the mind will self-heal. Wisdom will occur and compassion will occur, right? You know, you can get a little bit of space from your suffering, you know, by going to the breath. You know, that's when you start to feel compassion, right? You know, that's when you be, you know, it's like, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. You go to the breath, you know? the heart recognizes your suffering and understands it and responds with compassion. The compassion is right there. The compassion is right there. We're just, we're just blocked off from it. So we get that little bit of space and the compassion is right there. That deep wish that we have to be free from suffering is right there. So the wisdom is there and the compassion is there. Wisdom and compassion leads to the freedom from suffering, leads to freedom from suffering. It's the wisdom of understanding and the compassion that motivates our letting go. So this wisdom and compassion that's in the heart is what heals us, is what heals us. So we're just opening up to our capacity to self-heal. So when there's difficulty, you know, we, 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 we're learning, we're learning, and it's very counterintuitive, right? We're learning when there's difficulty uh, to go to the breath, you know, to find that good home for the mind, you know. And, you know, the way that translates out into your daily life is, you know, a few breaths here, a few breaths there, a few breaths here, a few breaths there, a few breaths here, a couple breaths in the morning, a few in the afternoon, etc., etc., you know. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I've, I've reached a level of awakening, you know, just by going to the breath and creating that little bit of space. Right? When there's difficulty, when there's difficulty. So when there's difficulty, we learn to go to the breath, to find that good home for the mind, even if it's just for a few breaths. You know? 
and gradually the mind will start to incline to the breath. You know, that's the interesting thing, of course, because, because wisdom is developed and we understand that that's where we need to be to find freedom and to have freedom. Uh, so, you know, we, we, and we, the mind inclines to the breath more, not because the, partly because the breath feels good, but ultimately because we know that when we go to the breath, we have space and, you know, then that we are opening up the pathway to the heart and to our wisdom and to compassion. So we go to the breath, we establish some space, and that's how we begin the process of self-healing. So every time we go to the breath, you know, we put ourselves in a position for the mind to self-heal. So, you know, it's, it, a lot of it is trust, right? You know, a lot of it is trust in the capacity of the mind to self-heal. You know, and this is something, you know, it's sort of like we have to develop, you know, and we have to, uh, you know, the Buddhist teachings is just going to teach you, it's just going to point, you know, as, as he said, it's just going to point the way. Where some teachers used to like to say, you know, the Buddha solved his problem, now you solve yours, you know, you know. I mean, the Buddha solved his problem by connecting to the innate wisdom inside of himself. I mean, you have to do that for yourself just because he did it. You can learn about what he did, but that's not going to free you. And the answer and the way out in terms of being able to find freedom is not in the head, it's in the heart. So uh, we have to awaken to our capacity to self-heal. You know, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're all suffering. You know, we're all suffering in this life. You know, these days, we've all experienced a lot of suffering. You know, we've all experienced a lot of suffering. Uh, you know, and you know, as with so many things in this path, you know, there, you know, you know, you know, there is a way out. And with so many things in this path, it's, it's, you know, it's much simpler than we might have thought. You know, it begins with the breath. You know, it begins with having a good home for the mind and being able to separate out from the world and to have some space and put ourselves in a position to connect to the wisdom that's inside, the compassion that's in the heart. And this is what we'll see us through.